0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that air. So again, there's just way too much to really hone in on, and it just kind of makes me uncomfortable because usually, even as random as I am, I have kind of a loose structure. I'm going to talk about this thing, and I'm going to... You know, all the thoughts are open and closed. I'm, I'm going to cover it from the front to the back, And you're going to know exactly how I feel about stuff. Everything right now is so open-ended. I'm just kind of like pointing at it like, well, there's that thing and that thing and that thing. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like leaving things open-ended and everything's so chaotic, but I'm just going to march into this dust storm of chaos and do my best. But I've got a couple loose goals. Um, I want to kind of overall recap the draft in terms of what I think it tells us, which is really the most important thing. They had a plan going in all along. We assumed we knew the plan. We were wrong. And I think some of us, rather than just saying, oh, shoot, we were looking at the wrong plan, are mad at Gudicon's for not following the plan because you forget we weren't a part of the plans. We, we yeah. weren't setting up a plan. He wasn't listening to us. He never came to our meetings. That We had separate meetings. So now we have to let go of our plan and go, go over there to, to reality where the real plan is being laid out for us. But to recap it, to generally tell my issues with it, and then maybe to correct a couple things, um, because I don't have any problem with people being upset with this draft. I think there's a lot of reasons to be, um, especially if you are constantly plugged into media things. Because if you go out and just listen to what everybody says, everybody's just going to say the Packers had the a historically terrible draft. I have barely scratched this. Just, just for fun, as I sat down, I googled two things here. PFF had the Green Bay Packers at the very bottom, the worst draft of anybody um nfl.com gave them a c plus which is pretty flattering but as i'm scrolling through b plus a minus a b plus b a a a minus a b a minus b plus a minus a minus a minus b plus b b plus b plus so you get the point right a minus uh i didn't see a single c anything other than the green bay packers so you know without going through every single one here probably pretty safe to say that was the worst one i'm just gonna i'm almost done here might as well just finish it a a a everything is an a everything is an a this person is just being super yeah literally the only one with a c and it was a c plus was the green bay packers so chad reuter over at nfl.com said the packers had the worst draft pff said they had the worst draft Um, very very briefly i popped on um i don't know one of those draft network guys i don't remember which one but I just turned it on, and um, there was just a, a sideways comment about how a lot of teams redeemed themselves, and if it wasn't for the Packers, you know, there would have been a lot of good drafts or whatever the case was, some some kind of comment like that. So it's just, that is, is the thing right now. So I, again, I, I want to sort of address that. The third thing, and it's partially because of this chaos, so I, I'm, what I'm asking for is help. I don't mean I want you to give me things. I'm looking for someone, and I, I've had this set up in the past, but it kind of fizzled out. I'm literally looking for someone to help me with the podcast, and at times like this, it's going to be very important, but also, even as we get away from the draft, being able to find content is going to be um, important, and it's just going to be helpful to me because it's hard to be plugged into everything. A lot of the better content I find are from articles, they're from tweets, there's from just having your, your finger on the pulse of what Twitter is saying, right? Just Just spending a lot of time there seeing what Packer fans generally think or being in the Facebook group and monitoring that and finding comments and things to comment on. So I might need multiple people, but ideally I want to start with one person that's very plugged into stuff. We can work out whatever the compensation may be. It's not, I mean, this isn't gonna be a part-time job for you. It'll be, you know, maybe access to PFF or something. But um, if you would actually like that, if that sounds interesting to come essentially work for the Packernet podcast to be a, I guess, a research assistant that's what we'll call it, basically you're going to dig up everything and just organize things for me, then reach out, and we'll give it a shot. Because especially now, I'm, I'm just, I am massively overwhelmed. I mean, it was a full-time job just responding to people messaging me yesterday, much less reading all the articles and keeping up with what everybody else is drafting, and it's just wildly overwhelming. <laughs> so I, I I like to be in control of this, and I don't like having a podcast and not knowing what's going on and i feel like there's there's a lot of information that i don't even know right now it's not a very good feeling so anyways if that sounds interesting please reach out um again it's not going to be a a generally a very hard job you're just going to find things people are saying and uh bring it to me and if i choose to use it or not that's up to me but just Go find stuff for me to peruse through and find out if it would be a good topic to talk about. Anyways, again, I've done this before, so if any of the old crew wants to get back into it, but I will say I do need this to be a pretty serious commitment. I don't want to bring in like six guys and then one takes it seriously. That's that's going to just upset me because then it ends up being more work managing people than it is actually managing the podcast, and that's going to really annoy me. Just putting that out there up front. But anyways, otherwise, um, Packernet Podcast Facebook Group, Packernet Podcast Facebook Page. Make sure you are uh, tuned in there. I really, I sat down to do a uh, video of our newest linebacker, and I watched about a whole game, and I just, I was so burned out, man. I mean, it literally felt like I was a little bit intoxicated. Like my brain was just so fried, I couldn't focus, I couldn't think. It was just, it's a weird feeling. Just, it's been kind of a grind. I just couldn't do it, and and to be honest, I just don't like him. I didn't like him when I scouted him. Uh, before, I had mentioned, maybe I didn't mention it yet, um, I had him as my second lowest linebacker. There was only one linebacker I put in the absolutely I don't want him uh, category. He was a linebacker taken shortly after, uh, I think, Justin Stranad. One spot above him, I had Kamal Martin, and even in my notes, I said I'm very, very close to putting him down in the I don't want him at all category. But there's a couple little redeemable things that I'll, I'll bump him up one spot. But I, he's basically in the I don't even want to touch him, even in the seventh round category is basically where I had him. And even if you look at CBS Sports, and, and again, I don't want to get too caught up in what the media thinks because I don't really care, and that's going to be a major focus of what I'm talking about. But even here, they had Kamal Martin as one of the worst picks. They had Jordan Love as the worst, which I think is a little silly. I understand why everybody's saying that. But in terms of actual ability to play and start for the team, um, you know, they had John Runyon, Jake Hansen uh, Simon Stepaniak, Vernon Scott, Jonathan Garvin. Everybody after that had B's and C grades, and Kamal Martin was a D for CBS Sports. And I, I don't disagree. I just, I don't see much. But anyways, the, the point is, I'm going to have a hard, I'm going to try to get videos out, but offensive line is really hard to do videos on. I shouldn't say that. It's, it's just, it's hard for me to, to watch and I don't know some some positions are easier to quote-unquote scout than others and for some reason offensive line is just kind of I don't know I just haven't found my groove on that one yet and Vernon Scott is going to be very hard because he's a safety and there's almost no tape on him anyways so if you don't have all 22 I might I probably won't even do a video on that we'll see and then seventh round pick Jonathan Garvin uh, I saw some of the highlights they were showing on TV so he's got at least some good tape so I might as well do one of those edge rusher is pretty easy if there's any tape out there to find but I'm, I'm planning, point, point is I'm planning to do videos and get them posted. I, I well, I, I paid for the software, so I'm going to be doing some kind of videos. If I don't do that, it'll be something else. But the point is, get in the, the uh, Facebook group and especially like the a Podcast Facebook page. That's where the videos go is on the page. I do share it in the group only because that's where all the people are. But I would like you to get on the page. That would be very, very greatly appreciated. That is my goal for this year is to build that up. That is my big, that's the big push. Anyways, let's uh, skip the rest of the formalities because I'm already in a rambling kind of mode here. We'll take a break and kind of unload as best as I can my thoughts on a couple of these little categories. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So let's start with the negative first. The, the, The one thought that I have, and it probably would make sense to start from somewhere else first, but I want to get the negative out of the way first. The worst part about this draft isn't so much that I know it's it's a bad group of players. I don't know that. And I'm going to talk more about that in the future. Neither do you. The worst part about this draft is that the the odds that they're going to prove everybody wrong in 2020 are almost zero. So everybody's saying this is a historically bad draft, and they're almost assuredly going to be proven correct. Because if you just look at the players taken... Unless Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, Jordan Love is not going to play. And even if he does, Jordan Love needs time to be groomed. So that would almost be worse because then Jordan Love comes out and he doesn't look good. And then everybody's really going to be like, oh, this was a terrible draft pick. So that best case scenario, he doesn't play. AJ Dillon is going to be a rotational piece. Now, I mean, you know, again, best case scenario, he's a stud and he's actually better than Aaron Jones. The odds of that are, I'll be generous and say 1% chance. There's also a chance Aaron Jones gets hurt, which is, I mean, he, he's he been healthy for a while, but he did have some issues in the past. It's also part of the reason why I think they've been looking at running back for a while. I think Aaron Jones in general, they worry about his, his health. Either way, I think best case scenario, he's, he's a really good piece that gets 12 carries a game. We'll call it, eh, no, 12. But he's still just a running back. And he's still just I mean, not even 50%, because um, you're going to have, you know, Dexter's going to be mixed in, Jamal's going to be mixed in, and maybe Dexter won't, I don't know. And and to be honest, and I don't mean to tail off, but we might as well hit it, because everything's so scrambled while we're here. There's no guarantee. As, as a matter of fact, I would bet of those four, not all four are going to make it. The question is who. If, if Dexter just seems terrible, they may just cut ties and say, all right, enough is enough. However, Dexter is younger, Dexter was drafted with Lafleur in mind, um... And Jamal and Aaron, are they've got these contracts coming up, which again, I'm, I'm touching on one of the major things I wanted to touch on, which is the future, which is why the draft actually makes even more sense. But we'll leave that aside for now. It wouldn't, if, if if I had to guess, and it's very, very close, I would say there is a chance Jamal doesn't make it. Because Jamal kind of doesn't serve a purpose right now. I love Jamal. He's one of my favorite guys on this team, and I hate to even say this. Happiest guys, nicest guys. I love More than anything, watching him dance pregame, watching him dance during the game, after the game, on social media. Jamal is is an awesome guy, and I'm so glad we drafted him. All that. He doesn't serve a purpose right now. Jamal Williams is, at best, the bruising um, between the tackles, get two to three yards here and there and and push the pile kind of guy. We just drafted the second-round version, the 250-pound version of Jamal Williams. The bigger, faster, better scheme fit, younger, less expensive version of Jamal Williams. And if we're potentially going to be losing Jamal and Aaron after this year, it would kind of make sense to start that, rather than losing two guys at once, Jamal goes bye-bye. We go in with Aaron, AJ, and Dexter as our running back group and probably a bunch of undrafted free agents, which we've probably already begun picking up and will continue to pick up because Gutekunst loves picking up these short, stocky, kind of, you know, you know the prototype, 5'11", 220, right? That's that's his thing. But I, if, if I had to, if you put a sword to my eyeball right now and said, tell me what the running back group is going to look like, who are our top running backs going to be? It's going to be Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Dexter Williams. And again, that's unless Dexter is just completely unredeemable. But I don't think that's the case. He didn't get a lot of opportunities. And again, when I saw him run... You could I mean, you could just tell when it was him because he just looked really fast. Not that that really matters. But again, remember, I don't think he needs to be better than Jamal to stay. He just needs to show that he's not completely worthless. If he can even show a glimmer of starting to understand the scheme and starting to pick things up, I think Jamal's gone. But anyways, continuing on. So Jordan Love's going to sit. A.J. Dillon's going to be in the rotation. And again, he's a running back. So the value of that is as relatively low as it is. He's not really a home run hitter. So he's not going to be making highlight reels. So nobody's going to be eating their words because of A.J. Dillon. The only way they eat their words is if he becomes Derrick Henry and he'd have to carry the ball 20 to 30 times a game to be able to produce like Derrick Henry does. That's not going to happen this year. Josiah DeGuara is the only guy that really has the ability to shush everybody up, and that's if he becomes his counterpart, Travis Kelsey. But even then, in the grand scheme of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 picks, if the the only redeemable thing you did is get a third-round tight end that hit, people are still going to say, yeah, but it still was a bad draft. Again, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. And again, the the odds, probably less than 1% that he becomes anywhere near Travis Kelsey, but a good, I, I tend to think he'll be a good tight end. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's our number one tight end. Again, not because I think he's a better prospect than Jay Sternberger. I just think he's ready today. I think he's a plug-and-play I keep saying again because I'm assuming I've said this before, but I've been talking to people on social media and doing videos. and I've said a billion things a billion times, and sometimes I feel like I've said it on the podcast, so forgive me if I'm lying. But Josiah Deguara, if you go watch the the film breakdown I did on him, or just go watch the tape for yourself, a lot of the things they do are a lot of the the newer things we saw Matt LaFleur doing with our tight ends, right? Uh, Motioning across the formation... um, Sort of fainting, blocking a guy, and then slipping out past him to go be a receiver, right? It's a lot of the same type of things that can be different things. So he's been doing the Matt LaFleur system for five years. I think he's played four, but he's been there for five years. This guy is a veteran. He is the anti j Sternberg. And I don't think he's really lacking athletically. Remember, Jace is not a 4-5 guy. He's not really blazing. He looks like a really good receiver and route runner down the field. He's really not a blazing tight end. So I genuinely believe Josiah Deguara will be our top tight end this year. That's somewhat of a bold statement, but not really. But again, I think he's going to be a serviceable, decent enough, and actually he might be more than that, because if we're really, really, really going to commit to this, there's going to be a, a big uptick in targets to tight end. So he might be a pretty good resource. So so this is the area, A.J. Dillon and Josiah Deguara, depending on how good they do, to at least make the media go, mm, okay. They're at least better than we thought. But then if you continue on, Kamal Martin, and and listen, he has a chance to play only because of how terrible the linebackers we have are. I'll set aside Christian Kirksey. I know I've been really hard on him, but he should, at this point, be by far the best linebacker we have. I mean, I've been dumping on the guy, but he's the only guy that is a legit linebacker on this team right now. Not a good legit linebacker, but he's, he's a legit linebacker, and I'll say if he can stay healthy, at least we have that. I mean, I think we've operated with as bad or worse linebacker groups in the past. We've had a big old bad mismatch of of tight ends throughout our history. Um, and with that, you know, it, it, come on, Martin probably could get a little bit of time. I, You know, I don't know, man. I just have low expectations. I mean, if if he's a starter, then again, that's going to help the narrative, okay, at least they did something. But then if you continue on, three offensive linemen, where exactly they play, according to this, you got a guard, a center, and a tackle, which I think is how they were drafted. I think all of them are are seen as interior guys, including uh, Stepaniak, the offensive uh, tackle out of Indiana. I think the goal is to slide him inside. Now, generally, I don't mind the pick, and we'll kind of talk about why in a little bit, trying to keep the segments separated here, although they all intertwine. But again, what are the odds that this ends up being a huge hit for the Packers this year? We have an offense. I think best-case scenario, depending on if we end up moving on from... We may end up moving on from some people, but is going to stay. He's not getting replaced by anybody. Elton Jenkins is going to stay. Corey Lindsley, I'm assuming, is going to stay, but I, I don't know that. I've been saying for a while he may be a candidate to go bye-bye. I think more than likely by next year he's not going to get re-signed. He is a, a free agent next year. Again, we'll, 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 you can probably tell where I'm going to go with this, but anyways... Corey Lindsay, I believe, will be the center in 2020. The only thing, really, because I don't think Wagner's going to get replaced by Stepaniak at all, the best-case scenario in my mind is we've got Billy Turner replaced, which is very unlikely, not because I think he's a good football player, but they spent a lot of money on a guy that's been a professional football player for a very long time. To get replaced by, like, a sixth-round guy, or a seventh-round, or no, it wouldn't be a seventh. They didn't have a seventh. To re- be replaced by a sixth-round guy is is pretty unlikely to me, but at the same, I mean, it, it's similar to that, well, you would never replace Aaron Rodgers with Jordan Love. Really? Because it seems to me like we're committing pretty hard to giving um, Matt LaFleur the guys he wants. Although I think that's what we do with Billy Turner. So, you know, whatever. And that didn't pan out. But but again, best case scenario, one of these guys starts and the other two are, are potential quality backups, which is great because I've been saying for a long time, we I want to get back to the days where we not only have a good offensive line, we've got better backups than other teams have starters i mean that was a thing for a while the packers with offensive line was just an ace completely underrated how good the packers were at drafting and developing offensive linemen over the years i mean we since back in when we had Favre, i remember there were guys that just stuck there forever and then you'd get a new piece in there. there's like oh who's this bomb and then he ends up being like this great guy for a long time you got backups that are solid when guys go down they come in and they're you know, just, just wildly underappreciative of how good the Packers have been with offensive line. And I wouldn't mind getting back to that, to just have some quality guys, some... I mean, if you look at uh, 2015, Bakhtiari, Sitton, Lindsley, Lang, and Brian Balaga, one of the better offensive lines the Packers have ever had, clearly one of the best in football at the time. We had J.C. Tredder as a backup, who is currently a starter. We had Lane Taylor as a backup. We had Don Barclay as a backup. Our backup offensive line... Of Barclay, Walker, Tretter, and Lane Taylor, I guarantee you that group, although not an ideal starting offensive line, would have been better than some offensive lines in football. Granted, we would need another tackle in there somewhere because Don Barclay can't literally play two tackle spots at the same time. But still, I mean, we just look at how horrible some, some offensive line. J.C. Tretter is a good player. Lane Taylor is a good player. I don't know about Donnie so much, but I mean, quality enough. I mean that that is unbelievable, I, I, and it was another thing I just didn't appreciate enough. You know, you have sit and go down for a while. Lane Taylor comes in, and Aaron Rodgers stays alive because Lane Taylor is, as far as backups go, he's about as good as it gets. Same with J.C. Treader. So I'm not opposed to loading up, but again, the issue is what are the odds anybody's going to be able to prove the media wrong? And I don't think too many people are going to be trying. And and the, the the biggest issue is how insufferable some Packer fans are going to be, because I can tell you right now, I have personally placed a lot of fans who have been reaching out to me on suicide watch. I mean it's just brutal, man. Guys are struggling, and I understand it. I'm just saying it's just I mean I'm I'm trying to while completely understanding why this is upsetting, maybe shed a little bit of positive light on it or at the very least try to get people to the point where it's like let's just see. But the but again, the problem is in the back of my mind, I know what we're going to see a quarterback that's not going to play a rotational running back a possible tight end two, a linebacker that's not going to play three offensive linemen that are going to be benched a safety that won't play and an edge rusher that won't even make the team that's what we have and again and listen let's transition forward now that isn't to say that over the next couple years this won't we won't look back and say this was a good draft class that's saying right now everybody is saying this is a terrible 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 draft and they can't prove anybody wrong. The, the ability to prove anybody wrong is almost zero. I know definitively Vernon Scott and Jonathan Garvin will not be quality starters for the Green Bay Packers in 2020. You can go ahead and, and write that down in stone. These are seventh round picks on a team that has Adrian Amos and Darnell Savid. We have already Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, and Preston Smith. Jonathan Garvin is not going to be a 10-sack a guy this year. And we already have a completely filled offensive line. Now again, maybe one of these guys ends up being really solid, and then due to injury or whatever happens, they end up coming in and it ended up being a really good pick. But the odds that any of these guys start, these sixth round, and and keep that in context, these are sixth round offensive linemen, so I would say it's more likely, to be completely honest, I would say it's more likely that all three of these guys are subpar players that are not really starters than it is that one of them ends up being a really quality even Lane Taylor type of player. Now, to be fair, Lane Taylor was an undrafted free agent. So, of course, the potential is there. And I really hope they hit on one of these guys. But I really think the strength of this draft isn't going to be the ability to quiet people. And, and the problem is some people get so dug in and that, that is a concern, too, and I'm, I'm maybe it's weird to get this concerned this early on, but some people get so dug in about how terrible this draft class is, and they're going to be saying that all through 2020. And they're going to be proved right, which is going to embolden them to say this is a terrible draft class. So as we move forward and we lose Aaron Jones and we lose Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon steps up and becomes a really quality running back for this team, and this turns out to have been a really good uh, pick with really good foresight, there are going to be Packer fans who refuse to accept him as a Green Bay Packer because they're so dug in on I hate this draft class. I hate that pick. That was still He's 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 going to get a 60 yard touchdown somehow and people are going to be screaming that was still a stupid pick because that's how some people are. Jordan Love is going to take over as a quarterback. We have people today that still can't embrace Aaron Rodgers. You're telling me that there are going to be people that say that Jordan Love should never have been picked even if by if and this is really going to set people off and it's unfortunate. But if Aaron Rodgers does get traded next year, which I I still think is unlikely. I brought up that proposition as a potential, something to keep an eye on, and to to tell you that it's not a 0% chance, depending on how serious they are moving forward. And I want to address some of the comments made by uh, Matt LaFleur and Gutekunst. But let's just say, even if Jordan Love comes along and is really good, you've got fans who hated this draft, who were screaming that this is a terrible pick, who still wanted us to trade up and get Jerry Judy or to pick whoever was available at the time, whatever. And now this is the guy that's the reason that we just lost Aaron Rodgers. They're going to refuse for the next 20 years to embrace Jordan Love. And I hope that's not the case. Don't get so dug in on, on being negative about stuff. If, if best, ca- What we all should hope for is that we're all wrong. Because I, I don't think any of us did a mock draft that looked anything like this. Even the people that said, you know, to be honest, I really like this draft class. Show me your mocks. Go, go ahead and show me a mock draft you did that looked anything like this, where you took a quarterback, and then a running back, and then a tight end. You didn't take a single wide receiver in the entire draft. Show me that mock you did, and then I'll believe you. Now, that's not to say you didn't come around at the end of the day, but let's not act like, oh, you you guys are being dumb. This was a great, historically great draft. This was brilliant. Come on, man. I, I want anybody to show me their mock that looked anything like show, show me the mock where you took Jordan Love, and I'll at least give you a half a point. I don't remember seeing too many Packers fans. I mean, there's some anti-Rodgers people that probably did. They probably took four quarterbacks just to get rid of the guy, but that's not really my point. However, I do want to look forward a little bit. We know that running back is going to become a problem in the future. We already speculated that we're not going to pay Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. That leaves us with Tyler Irvin, Dexter Williams, um, Demaria Crockett. Running back is important. Now, did he have to? And again, now we're overlapping into the next thing. The, The biggest, well, you didn't have to take A.J. Dillon. And you could have got him in the third round or whatever. Okay, well, we'll we'll address that later. Point is, that was a need that got addressed. It was a need in the future, but it got addressed. I've already stated that offensive line might be the biggest need for the Green Bay Packers. Now, addressing it three times in the sixth round is a very Packers thing to do. It's, it's a need, and, you know, we're, we're not picking for need in the earlier rounds because we're going best player available because we want to get guys that we believe can come in and contribute. But as we get later and we don't super care, since we didn't get a single offensive lineman, which we were hoping to get, we're just gonna triple up in the sixth round. But you've got David Bakhtiari, Alex Light, Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsley, all undrafted free agents next year. Undrafted free agents. I'm I'm stuck on draft. You've got Bakhtiari, Taylor, and Lindsley are unrestricted free agents, and Alex Light is a restricted free agent. But you got four guys and I you know, there are some people that are screaming, Bakhtiari's not coming back. I don't agree with that. I understand the history of the Green Bay Packers. I understand wanting to get a certain prototype. And maybe they're they're right. Maybe that's true. I I just think, we need a right tackle. We need a center. We need a guard. We need now a left tackle. That's too much. So at the very least, you get a situation similar to Aaron Rodgers. We're going to give you the bag, but we're also going to give us an out that in a a couple years we can go on and get our own guy. I, I just can't imagine an offensive line that is Billy Turner, Elton Jenkins, and three new guys. Stepaniak, John Runyon, Jake hansen that's our so what what would that be? Aside from a nightmare, what would that be? You would have um maybe Stepaniak and Billy Turner as your tackles, Hansen as your center, and then Elton Jenkins and John Runyon as your guards? Never. So I you know, I I I, I very much believe Bakhtiari. The 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 question marks are Lane Taylor and Corey Lindsley for me. Again, not because they're bad football players, but if you're going to get that next big contract, which the Packers almost never give offensive linemen, you had better be as good as Bakhtiari. Now, there is a question of, is he declining? Last year was one of his not, he was a very good year, but it was a decline. If that continues, there's bigger question marks. There's also the question of him not being a great scheme fit, but you have got a guy that is an elite pass blocker. I just don't know that it matters that much. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Point is, offensive line is one of the biggest future needs, and the Packers got three offensive linemen. Running back is a massive future need, especially for a team that is planning on running the ball a lot, so getting a guy that is going to be... And that's the other thing. We've got to make this thing work. And if we just look at what the 49ers and the Titans do, which is kind of the direction we're heading, if you look at the difference for the 49ers between passing and rushing, they are 29th in passing attempts, they're 2nd in rushing attempts. The Tennessee Titans are 31st, I believe, in passing attempts. These teams run the ball a lot, and we're talking about now a team, a Green Bay Packers team that is eroding along the offensive line and is about to lose two running backs next year. They're going to lose possibly two interior offensive linemen and two running backs next year, and this is a team that's going to run the ball 30 times a game. How is that going to work? Are we going to do that with Demaria Crockett and John LeGlue and Lucas Patrick? I mean, what what's the plan here? Cole Madison, Yash Nijman? So the, the logic is there. I mean, we talk about doing things now, not wanting to do things now at the detriment of the future. If you don't address running back and offensive line, and by the way, one of the key critical pieces of making this style of offense work is having a tight end that can play really well, having a quality tight end. Packers don't currently have one. So at the very least, Josiah DeGuara is a safety valve or a, a, I don't know, a safety pick. I don't know what, what I'm talking about. Because, again, he's a plug-and-play. He's sort of a floor. We don't know what Sternberger's going to be, but if Sternberger still is not turning that corner, we genuinely believe he's the kind of guy that we're going to be able to plug in and he's going to be able to execute. Maybe not on a Travis Kelsey level, but he's at least going to be able to bring us up to what we need to make the system at least go. Spark plugs don't offer very much in terms of value. They're cheap little things. They're pretty small and insignificant, but try driving your car without them. We need to at least make sure this thing can get started and run, literally and figuratively. And so everything kind of makes sense in that context. And and the problem is there's no sexy picks, and there's nothing that's going to blow anybody away. So the media is going to say this was a terrible draft, and they're going to continue saying that throughout the rest of the year. But the fact of the matter is, again, if we run out this draft differently, we are putting ourselves in a bind in 2021. If we're going to actually transition from a Mike McCarthy's system to an Aaron Rodgers system in 2021 what does it look like when we've got Devontae Adams Jalen Rager probably another wide receiver you had in your draft some real athletic tight end a defensive tackle and a linebacker we've done nothing to get any closer to a Matt LaFleur offense our offensive line is eroding we're not going to have any running back but hey we've got uh we've got Aaron Rodgers and we've got some really athletic wide receivers to push the ball down the field what does that have anything to do with with the offense, we're trying to run. Nothing. And again, fans are convinced, and the media is as well, because we've all got together with this assumption of what needs to happen for the Packers. And that's the other thing I want to address. We'll just skip on to the next one here. Just because the media says something doesn't mean it's the case. One of the things, I've got to be honest, I'm getting tired of seeing is, why did we have to take him here when he was available in the next round? Who told you that? Who told you he would be available in the next round? The same guys that told you Denzel Mims would be gone by 15? You're talking about those guys? Denzel Mims barely got drafted in the second round. And we can go down the list. Why would you take Josiah Deguara in the third round when there's better guys available? You mean like Hunter Bryant? Hunter Bryant was one of my top tight ends. He was one of everybody's top. He was easily, everybody in the media had him as their top three tight ends. Just about. Not NFL.com, which seemed to be kind of on the ball with uh, being kind of with their finger on the pulse. Hunter Bryant went undrafted. Harrison Bryant was another really popular pick. He went in the fourth round. Albert O was fourth round. Devin Asiasi was in the third round pick 27. Asiasi went three picks before Josiah DeGuara. What is it exactly that you think you... Bryson Hopkins was in the fourth round. Nobody would have thought Devin Asiasi is going to go before Troutman, before Harrison Bryant, before Hunter Bryant, before Bryson Hopkins. He went before all of them. So tell me what it is you know that teams are going to do, especially when, again, keep in mind Josiah DeGuara is maybe the one guy that you want as a tight end in this entire draft class. You're really going to risk that, especially if you genuinely believe that this is a quality pick at the end of the third round. Josiah DeGuara is a good value, but you want to wait because um, the draft network does mock drafts and he goes late in the fourth round, so we'll probably get him then. That doesn't make any sense, man. Come on. That's not how this works, and you have to know that. I'm not saying the Packers are right and you're wrong or, or the draft network or anybody else is wrong. we got to wait and see. Again, I don't believe in this linebacker at all. But we, we, it doesn't make any sense to look at mock drafts or look at ESPN's rankings and say, look, he's the 122nd ranked prospect. Why would we take him? Very simple answer. Because he wasn't the Packers' 122nd ranked prospect. Clearly, that should be painfully obvious. Running back is another great example of that. A.J. Dillon got taken in the second round, pick 30. Now maybe this is an instance where we really need somebody and the guys that we really like are gone, but look who he went before. Again, you can look at your list and say, well, there's no reason to take him this early, but look at the guys that are available. They chose to take A.J. Dillon over all these other prospects, meaning they liked liked him a lot more. Now I don't know who it is you like that you think we should have taken instead, and really this could actually be... Because we don't know. And that's the other issue is, well, they didn't take a single wide receiver. It's not because they went into it with a plan not to take a wide receiver. It's just how the thing falls. So if you get, let's say, to the back of the second round, maybe you didn't necessarily plan on taking a running back, but A.J. Dillon is a good value. You really like him. You really think he's going to fit. You know it's a big need going forward, and he's the last guy on your board that you feel like would make any sense. Because you just genuinely don't really like a lot of these other guys. What do we got? Zach Moss, Darrington Evans. Uh, DJ Dallas went in the fourth round. Uh, Michael P. Ryan. What do you do? Because if you don't take Dylan, you're basically saying we're just not getting a running back this year. Whereas you got a pile of five tight ends and 17 offensive linemen and everything else that you like. The point is, just because the media has been telling you, just because my big board and everybody else's big board says that this is not a good value, doesn't mean the Packers agree. And it doesn't mean the NFL agrees. Because clearly they don't. The all-knowing media thought Jake Fromm was a locked second-round pick, as was Jacob Eason, possibly first-round. Jacob Eason went fourth round. Jake Fromm didn't go off the board until the fifth round of the Buffalo Bills, whereas Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick. James Morgan went before Jake Fromm in the fourth round. So is every single team just dumb, or is it possible that all 32 teams kind of know stuff and have more information, not just about the players, which they do, but also about their own team, their own team needs, and all those kinds of things, more so than the media does. Whereas there's some overlap. Joe Burrow was the first quarterback to go. The NFL tended to agree with what the media said. But I went into this telling you that the rumor was from NFL teams that the media was way off this year. So I guess my big point is it's okay to be upset about certain things, and I don't care if if you've got your own personal opinion that A.J. Dillon was no good and we shouldn't have taken him, fine. Do not make the case that he would have been available next round because you have no idea. A.J. Dillon might not have made it one more pick. I, I think Jordan Love is another good example of this. We keep hearing this. I think, uh, what's his name, the the punter guy. He's got his own show, very popular, whatever, doesn't matter. They keep talking about why would the Packers trade up for Jordan Love? It doesn't make any sense. We know definitively there were teams trying to trade up for Jordan Love. Maybe not to jump the Packers, so the Packers maybe could have waited. It's possible. But how many of those teams were sitting there saying, okay, let's see, the, the Packers aren't going to take him and the Seahawks aren't going to take him, so we're going to try to trade up with the Chiefs to get the quarterback. Who then saw the Packers trade up to take him and thought, oh, wow. I guess that was dumb of us to not trade up before we thought possible, before we thought necessary to go get this quarterback. In other words, playing these games where we just look at each team and say, they don't need a quarterback, they don't need a quarterback, they don't need a quarterback, so we're just going to wait. That's not a good enough plan. You're going to lose out on your guy. And, and again, we do know that team, it was the, the Chiefs were getting a bunch of phone calls. We want to move up, we want to move up, we want to move up. As soon as the Packers moved up and got love, the phones went dead. So the idea that nobody's trying to trade up to get Love is a lie. That's false. We all assume that everybody thinks Jordan Love is a bum. We have no idea what the general consensus is among NFL teams. We know the Green Bay Packers really like him, and I'm pretty positive they're not the only ones. Beyond that, let's think about something else. How many phone calls do you think the Packers got? Thinking the Packers aren't going to take Love, they're calling up like, hey, we want to come up. And you know in the back of your mind, they're coming up to take my quarterback. And if they're calling you, what's to say they're not calling the guy in front of you? to try to move up with them to take Love. You think they're not calling Seattle and Baltimore and Tennessee to try to jump you? Because listen, that's the other thing. Everybody knows that the Packers have put a lot of work in on Jordan Love, and there's a chance that they're going to take him. So it would actually make a good amount of sense if Seattle, Baltimore, or Tennessee are willing to trade back to move up to jump the Packers to take Jordan Love. So Green Bay Packers are jumping anybody who would be jumping them to take Jordan Love. And again, at the end of the day, you don't sit back and wait on a quarterback. If it's a good enough value, if a first if a if the 30th pick and your fourth round pick are a good value to you for Jordan Love, you just do it. End of story. Now again, if you don't like him, that's fine. That's fine. I I that's part of the fun of this process is you got guys you like, you got guys you don't like, and then you kinda just wait and see. But we gotta just look at it through the context of it being like a fun game. Some people take this way too seriously. You don't know if he's gonna be a good prospect. I don't know. The Packers don't even know nobody knows so use this as like a fun game slash learning tool right i'm doing my best to evaluate prospects i have come to conclusions about these prospects i'm going to be wrong about most of them as are most of these teams so learn from it don't be the guy who says i hate this guy because i didn't like him and then even when he becomes a good player it's like well i still hate him i still get messages from people who tell me how terrible Rashawn is every time Rashawn doesn't, oh, oh, what happened to Rashawn? Blah, 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 blah. If that guy ends up becoming the best pass rusher in football, I'm still going to get messages about how terrible he is because people can't let it go. They can't stop. They, they, they're just so overwhelmed with anger they cannot stop. It's completely unnecessary. I don't mind that you're upset that you think the team's going to be bad, but let's let's transition to the next thing now. Some some other comments that I think are wrong. Some people are talking about building for the future, which clearly the Packers have put a little bit more of an emphasis on the future than the present, which I've already touched on, isn't entirely the case. AJ Dillon is something that's going to help us today, DuQuaro is going to help us today. Right? These are these are things that are going to help us get to where LaFleur would like to be today and then even more so in the future. But I had seen somebody, I think it was in the Facebook group, make a comment when when talking about, you know, f- making sure we don't sacrifice the future for today. And the comment was something to the effect of, okay, well, with that logic, would it make sense to have two years of having two wins so that we can be better in the future or whatever? I, and, I, and I don't mean to just pick on that one comment because I've seen variations of that thought process. Let me ask you this. How do we go from one, play, one um, game away from the Super Bowl to being a team that's not even good enough to make the playoffs? How did we get so much worse? We still have Aaron Rodgers. We still have Devontae Adams. We still have the entire offensive line. We still have the exact same wide receivers. We have gotten better at tight end. We've gotten better at running back. Along the defensive line, we still have the same pass rushers. And and by the way, uh, Sternberger likely is going to be getting better and also just healthy. So that's going to be an improvement. Um, Everybody's going to be in their second year. So generally, we would expect a little bit of a jump from the offense first, at least for some people. Moving over to the defense, Zadarius in his second year, Preston in his second year, Rashawn in his second year. The entire defense almost is in their second year here. You would expect a jump from Rashawn. We've got Darnell Savage in his second year, who is probably the one guy, if I had to pick anybody, who I think is going to make the biggest jump, who is going to be the most impressive. I'm putting my money on Darnell. You got Adrian Amos in his second year. We still have Jair. We still have Kevin King, who was coming off his best stretch of play ever down the end of, the, of last year's stretch. I know we need help at linebacker. It would be nice if we had a little bit more help along defensive line. But how? again, how do we go from being one game away from the Super Bowl to being like the worst in the division? I mean, you can make an argument that we, you know, okay, well, let's see. First of all, we were never a 13-win team to begin with. Okay, that's fair. Every other team got better around us, which is clearly debatable. The Vikings and Bears went backwards massively. Just to recoup the losses is going to take quite a bit. The, the Lions, same exact situation. Not only have they gone backward um, in the offseason, but that has become a completely toxic environment, and that's been exposed, how toxic that is. So the idea that those three have gotten massively better beyond the Packers is very debatable. But okay, I'll give you that. Still, the Packers have improved and also have improved more toward a system that is going to be further developing so that that was a very soft unveiling last year where you could clearly see the Packers are still trying to mesh the Shanahan offense with the Mike LaFleur off or the Mike McCarthy offense and that's evidenced by the fact that again you look at the Tennessee Titans with the 31st most passing attempts you look at the San Francisco 49ers with the 29th most passing attempts the Packers are like 16th they went from 3rd to 16th so we moved in that direction but we're not there yet and, and, and to be completely, I think compromise is wildly overrated. Compromise is just a, this little mutt version of nobody gets what they want. Compromise is massively overrated. You know, it's like, I want a big dog, my wife wants a little tiny dog, so we end up getting this medium-sized dog that neither of us like. Who wins that? How does anybody win that? I mean, it's a bad example because I wouldn't mind a medium-sized dog, but you get what I'm saying. Or, or you know, politics is another example of that you've got these two extremes and everybody kind of likes the two sides like i kind of want the country to be run this way well i want the country to be run this way well we're going to have this blended little disgusting thing in which your version doesn't work because it has to be implemented the way that we implement it and my thing doesn't work because it has to be this way but because we got this weird ugly mutant everybody's miserable great i'm so glad we compromised so everybody's miserable compromise is garbage and that's what that's what the packers are doing and and I genuinely, this is another thing that I believe, I think we're going to move away from the whole, you know, I'm going to try to blend Matt LaFleur's, you know, Matt LaFleur's going to try to blend my thing with Aaron Rodgers and we're going to compromise and forget that. Matt is going to take the reins. He's going to say, this is the offense. Aaron, here is your job. This is what you're going to do. And I think it'll be beneficial for Rodgers if he can play along with it. Because it's, it's a quarterback-friendly system. There's going to be less throwing. There's going to be a lot less thinking. It's just a matter of this is the system. This is the scheme. He's brilliant enough to be able to execute it and understand it and all that. It's just a matter of will he play ball, which I'm not going to go down the path of saying he won't, but who knows? It's not worth really speculating on, but again, I think success is the whole thing. I think the reason there was no real flare-ups in personality stuff is because they had 13 wins and they got into late into the playoffs. And so if, if we continue on this and we push even further into this Matt LaFleur system and they have similar success, I don't think there's going to be any problems. Aaron Rodgers doesn't care if he gets an elite number two wide receiver, which again, almost no teams have. If you have an offense that just works, you run the ball well, you're getting first downs, you've got tight ends that are competent, you've got still got Devontae Adams, you've got now Funchess and Lazard and whatever, which again, they're not elite number twos, but almost nobody has that. So you've got competent enough number twos that fit this system, and, and again, you're getting first downs, you're getting touchdowns, you're winning football games. Nobody cares if you don't have Jalen Rager. Nobody cares if you don't have Chenault or Judy or whatever. The, the the only thing that's going to matter at the end of the day, and again, some people will never be satisfied. They're going to spend the rest of their lives talking about how much they hate this draft class, and we should have got this guy, we should have got that guy. The only thing that's going to matter at the end of the day is making sure this works, and the only way this works is if Matt LaFleur has the pieces he needs, and Gutekunst understands that. And not only does he need the pieces he needs, but again, starting in 2021, everything's starting to erode. The the foundation, the core, which is offensive line, running back, tight end. That is the core. We don't have a tight end. Our offensive line is eroding, and our running backs are going to be gone. That's kind of important. So we got three offensive linemen, a running back, and a tight end. Also a quarterback that kind of fits the system. That's kind of an iffy thing. I don't think they went into it saying we need a quarterback. And again, I don't want to overstate the idea that they're pushing Aaron Rodgers out. That wasn't really my intention. However, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is as essential, which is, which is a benefit. I don't want to lose Aaron Rodgers. I don't think the Packers want to lose Aaron Rodgers. But it is a net benefit, and I've been saying this for five years, for a team to find a way to run a system that is not quarterback dependent. You know what teams are not quarterback dependent? The Titans, the Rams, the 49ers. Teams that run the Shanahan offense have quarterbacks that are good, not great. The Titans have a quarterback that has been garbage forever. He comes into this system, and suddenly he's one of the best quarterbacks via PFF, the best quarterback the entire year. Jared Goff was a garbage quarterback. Sean McVay comes in. Guess what? He's a very competent quarterback, just magically. The point is, it just it doesn't matter who the quarterbacks are. Garoppolo is is fine in that system, and it doesn't matter. I mean, you, you could take it or leave. Every one of these quarterbacks, you know you could take it or leave it. If the Titans were to get rid of um, Tannehill, would anybody riot? If, if the 49ers moved on from Garoppolo and found somebody else, would anybody riot? If, if the if the Rams went out and got a quarterback instead of Goff, who would riot? Nobody. Because the quarterback is important, but only to a certain... He's not... It's not the days of Aaron Rodgers or Butt, And so they're going out to find a quarterback that can operate within a system, but he's just a piece. He's not the whole thing. And that is critically important because you're not handcuffed by this quarterback who who calls all the shots, who takes all the money. And I'm not trying to say Aaron Rodgers is doing anything wrong. I'm just saying it is a net benefit to a team to run a system in which the quarterback is a very important piece, but he's not the whole piece. It gives you a lot more flexibility. Because think about how much, for years, how many teams were just garbage. I mean, this is the way that it worked. You will be a garbage team until you hit on a quarterback. How many times have we watched the Jets draft a quarterback, spend three years on him, he's garbage, draft another quarterback, spend years on him, he's garbage? And it's just a matter of keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying until you hit on this elite quarterback, and then you become a good football team. That's what it's been for years. You're a bad football team until you get lucky enough to hit on one of these very rare elite quarterbacks. And that's still kind of a thing, right? The, the Ravens are having a lot of success because of a quarterback. The Chiefs are having a lot of success because of a quarterback. It's still the most important piece. But again, this is a system that cares a lot about quarterback, but it's not the only thing. And it's not a system in which we have to get the next Aaron Rodgers or we're garbage right most i guess what i'm saying is most of these systems especially like with what mccarthy ran if you don't have a good quarterback you don't have a good team because it's it's very you got to be able to do a lot of stuff with this there's there's a lot of things you have to be able to do but it's it's a little bit more clearly defined and it's a broader group right whereas the 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 packers are only going to be the packers going back a couple years if you have this select group of maybe two three quarterbacks and we can use today's NFL right Pat Mahomes, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, two or three others that that'll make that work but how I mean Garoppolo would never have been able to do what Aaron Rodgers did go back to 2014 whatever that team's no good with Garoppolo that team is terrible with Tannehill. that team is garbage with golf but yet all three of those teams have, have had a lot of success within these systems because it's not as important which is another reason why again i'm not saying aaron Rodgers is gone i'm just saying they don't feel i I believe that they don't feel handcuffed by him and so as we transition to what i believe is going to be our last thing here the quote about how we want aaron Rodgers to stay as long as he stays and of course that's true again i don't think they're pushing him out they just don't feel handcuffed by him anymore and i don't think they feel like well i so there's there's essentially two comments there's that And then there's the comment of, Jordan Love has a lot to learn and he has to be able to prove himself first. Well, both of these things are obvious. Some people are pointing at it and saying, well, see, they're not trying to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. Well, I never said they were trying to get rid of him. But number one, of course they have to see if he's going to be able to play first. That's a given. I never suggested he'd be gone in 2020. You have to be able to see that Jordan Love can actually execute what you want him to execute. But the... The quote on, we, we hope he'll be able to play as long as he wants to play. What is the only reason why he wouldn't be allowed to play as long as he wants to play in Green Bay? What's the only reason? If we get rid of him. Otherwise, he's going to play as long as he wants to play. He's that I, I don't know how else to explain this. That isn't painfully obvious. The only reason. Aaron Rodgers won't be staying in Green Bay as long as Aaron Rodgers wants to stay in Green Bay, as if the Packers push him out. And for Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst to essentially say, hopefully he'll be able to do that, knowing that they're the only ones in control of that. Brian Gutekunst is the guy that's in control of that. He could easily say he's going to be able to play as long as he wants to play. He didn't say that. He said, hopefully he'll be able to play as long as he wants to play. Meaning, he can stay as long as he wants assuming he's still a really, really good quarterback. However, if the continued decline is a thing, in other words, if there isn't this big surge of, hey, here comes old school Aaron Rodgers again, and Jordan Love is not panning out, then you get to stay. Jordan Love isn't as good as we thought. Aaron Rodgers is still a really good quarterback. Guess what? You get to continue playing as long as, quote-unquote, as long as you want. However, if Jordan Love steps up and is a very good quarterback and Aaron Rodgers is good, not great, then it might be a situation where it looks like it doesn't super pan out that you're going to be able to play as long as you want. Sorry about that. I was really hoping for you there. I was really rooting for you that you'd be able to play as long as you want, but looks like it's not going to pan out that way. Again, it's such a nonsensical statement, but it's just weird to see so many people hear that and not actually hear what he's saying. Brian Gutekunst is in control of whether or not he gets to play as long as he wants. And he's saying, well, hopefully, we'll see what happens. And somehow, in some people's minds, that's him saying, see, he said he gets to play as long as he wants. Nope, not what he said. Not even close to what he said. And again, duh, on the comment of, we got to see if if Jordan Love can play. Duh. I mean, we've been through Brett Hundley, we've been through De- Deshaun Kaiser. Of course, they were hoping they would pan out. They found out, after over several years, that this just is never going to pan out. And if that's the case with Jordan Love, and he's just not a good quarterback, and he can't stop with these terrible decisions, then this is just not going to be a thing. And we're just going to pretend that that never happened, because they're they're setting this up in such a way that they're making it seem as though, look, we, you just take quarterbacks whenever they're a good value, and it's no big deal, and Aaron Rodgers is our guy, and he's just going to sit and learn, and we'll see what happens. So that if it doesn't pan out, it's not that big of a deal. But all the while knowing, you're not, and, and he did allude to this as well, in the little this blurb. We're not going to trade up for a quarterback unless we really, really like him and believe that he can be the guy that takes the job away from Aaron Rodgers. He didn't say those exact words, but allow me to elaborate for him. Unless you believe he's going to take this job away from Aaron Rodgers, or at least that he can and has the right amount of talent, we're not trading up for him. Because as everybody points out, what's the point of this? He's got four years left on his contract. Aaron Rodgers has four le- years left. Why would you trade up for, for for Jordan Love? Doesn't make any sense. Right. Exactly. Think it through, bud. Why would they when there's four years left? Oh, maybe because they don't expect him to play all four years. Oh, I shouldn't say that. It's not that they don't expect it. It's that they're not guaranteeing him four years. And they're a little bit open to the idea of maybe letting him go a little sooner. Whether that's 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024, I don't know. But at the very least, we're putting ourselves in a position to be flexible. If Jordan Love pans out, awesome. Because now we've got a quarterback that can run this system for the next 10 years and And we can dump Aaron Rodgers, as sad as that is, and as much as Jordan Love probably still is never going to be as good as Aaron Rodgers was. The fact that we get a massive amount of compensation for Aaron Rodgers, we get a huge influx of cash so that we can put in other positions in in free agency, as well as signing some of our other guys, we'll take that. So the the point is, they don't know. But they're not committing to anything. They're not committing to Jordan Love. They're not committing to Aaron Rodgers. They're just saying, hey, we'll see what happens. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers can... uh, can stay and plays well. And and Rodgers has even made similar comments. His comments specifically were, hopefully I play so well that I, you know, I don't remember what the comments were, but it was something to that effect. Hopefully my play is high enough that, the, you know, it's it settles itself, right? I'll be staying here. And that's that's the way it is. Rodgers gets it. Gutekunst gets it. We all kind of understand it. Some people maybe are in denial, but this is what it is. More than likely, Jordan Love is not going to play at a high enough level And Aaron Rodgers at a low enough level that Aaron Rodgers is gone and Jordan Love takes over. That is still the more unlikely scenario, but it's not impossible. And we all just have to come to grips with what the reality is. If that happens, Aaron Rodgers is gone. That's the reality. Because you don't trade up in the first round while having no intention of getting rid of Aaron Rodgers in the next four years. Doesn't make any sense. So anyways, I probably missed a couple points that I wanted to make. But uh, I think we've been going a pretty pretty long time here. So again, let me know if anybody wants to uh, get involved. It's a pretty simple job. Done it before. um, But just reach out and we'll see how it goes. Otherwise, we will talk to you tomorrow. Have yourselves a good day. Bye-bye.